right, so we're kicking off Ebenezer. Let me find this. Kicking off Ebenezer this morning, and uh, I'm super excited about it and excited about what God's doing in our heart and preparing us for this this season over the next four weeks. As we, can you believe it's four weeks-ish to Thanksgiving? Man, not to depress you or think time's flying by, but this year is almost gone. And uh, so we're going to start right now setting our hearts in just a posture of gratitude as we move toward Thanksgiving uh, with this series called Ebenezer. Uh, I'm going to ask this question, how'd you get here today? You don't have to answer it, but you can think about it. How'd you get here today? And and how'd you get to church today? And some of you, um, most of you probably drove, drove a car. Um, and some of you may have rode with somebody, you, you hitched a ride, or like your, your mom and dad made you come, and so you, you rode with somebody, you may have walked, anybody walk this morning? We got a few, yeah, we got a few that walked this morning, um, it, 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 not today because he's not here, but we got one praise team member that sometimes rides his skateboard here, and I just think that's so awesome, uh, that's Montana, y'all may know Montana, he plays violin sometimes, and and acoustic guitar, and so all kinds of different ways to get here. What I really want to ask you is how did you get here? How did you get here into this place, in this town, in this season of your life, into this moment, into this day, that, man, when I look around, I think, oh my God, there's no other reason that all of these people should be in the same room except that God is at work. So I want you to think about how did I get here to this point? All of my life summed up to this moment. We don't do this very often to say, hey, let, I'm, we're going to put a stake in the ground kind of today and make it a special day, uh, a day to think about that, to reflect. Actually, we're going to take four weeks to reflect and think about because I, I want to start with the story we're going to be using today from First Samuel chapter, chapter 7, and I want to start at the, the end of the story. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mitzpah and Deshanah. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. We're going to get better context for this, but the children of Israel just won a battle with God's help. Could not have won it without him. But with God's help, they want to. And, and so Samuel says, I'm going to make this physical marker. I'm going to take a physical marker uh, to, to remind me of a spiritual victory. And, and, and the lesson in this is that it's incredibly valuable in your walk in life to take some time and some moments to reflect on what God's done for you in the past. To reflect on what God's done for you in the past so that in the present, You can make courageous, fearless leaps of faith. Okay, because if you forget the victories, in fact, you're going to step into a season of struggle again. You'll be like, oh no, what's going to happen here? And you've forgotten the things and the times and the seasons that God has already seen you through. So we love physical markers, right? We love to see progress in life. Our kids, uh, Harker is three, Rosie is now 12. And so we, we got this uh, piece of door trim in our house that's all marked up with pencil markings, right? Every kid loves to stand up and, and, and tiptoe. I was always like, mark it now, <laughs> all right? How tall am I? Um, and so you, you must stand on your tiptoes. But, but we like to see progress.
progress in life. Some of you are working, you may be thinking, uh, uh, you're thinking, you're marking down the days till you retire. I'll say if you're marking down days, you probably should find another job. But if you're marking down weeks and years, maybe years is the thing you're marking down. You'd like to see progress, that you're getting close to some point in your life. Me, if I'm going somewhere and it's over an hour drive, I love to put it, even if I know where I'm going, I'll put it in the GPS so I can be like, oh, 10 minutes ago, we were 40 minutes away. Now we're 30. <laughs> see? But it feels so good. It feels so good. That we know, like, and I can see to the minute we're going to get there. And, and Beth will say, what time are we going to get there? But like 12.54 and 36 seconds <laughs> is what time we will be there. Um, but we like to see progress in our kids. You know, Rosie, sometimes she'll, like every two weeks, wants to measure, right? And it's just like going to be a big gray line. The whole thing is going to be gray because we've not taken enough time to see progress. What I want to talk about this morning is what the lesson that Samuel sets forward for us here. Where he says, at this point in my life, in our life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something uh, give myself a physical reminder. I'm going to take inventory and see in this moment, up until this point, God has helped me. So this morning I want to draw all of our hearts to say, how do you, did you get here? I want you to think through the hurt, through the bad, through the victory, through the defeats, through the tragedies, through the unfair, through all those things, to this point, God has helped you, and he's been with you every step of the way. We get our mind focused on that. The future is a blank canvas, okay? And me, I love New Year's. I love seeing 2023 coming. Because I get excited and thinking about, man, I, I saw what God did in 2022. I can't imagine what he's going to do in 2023. And so there's some things that are going to take some courage, some fearless of faith, some dreaming, some resting on God's power and ability and not ours. And so we're going to take these four weeks and just, just rest on reflecting and seeing what God has done so we can be ready for the next battle. Are you ready? All right. Let's go to, back to the story. Let's figure out how do we get to, to Samuel setting up this stone and calling it Ebenezer. First uh, Samuel 7, 1, it says, So the men of Kirath-Jerim, here's what you do if you're talking and you're reading words that are kind of hard, you're like, how do you pronounce that? You just say it as confidently as you can. <laughs> okay, you're like, wow, he's been to seminary, he's probably got a PhD, he knew how to say that. It's like, no, I have no idea, I'm just acting like I do. So the men of Kirath-Jerim came to get the ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside, home of Abinadab, and ordained Eliezer, his son, to be in charge of it. The ark remained in Kirath-Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. I'm going to take you to this moment, this season of the, the nation of Israel's life as a, as a, as a country, as a, as a people group. And so they were in this moment, this, this time of darkness. And, and if you've lived any life at all, you know life has ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and there's times of darkness, and there's, there's times that of difficulty, and there's times we mourn and we wonder, is God near? Has he abandoned us? 
And so this is the season uh, that they were in. And I want you to just, uh, for a little context, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, it represented the presence of God. Represented the presence of God. And it belonged in the center of their cultural life. It belonged in the tabernacle. And right now, see, they've taken it to Uncle Joe's house over at Kemper and put it in the storage building. was now in the the suburbs and the outreaches it's like baby clothes put in the attic we got a puppy a week ago or so and um, some of you are saying oh how sweet (laughs) and some of you are saying you've lost your mind (laughs) some gotten outnumbered there y'all dog lovers better step up We've had dogs before. We got this puppy, and, and I started, I thought, I know we've got a crate and a pet carrier, and I started thinking about where those things are. So I got, go out to my storage, our storage building, and, and I'm not, anybody in here that's the person that's like, you tell me what you need, I know exactly where it is. Any of those people? Very few. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> I'm the guy that's like, I have no idea where that pet crate is. I know we had one. It's out there somewhere. And so I go in, it's got two lofts in it, the building does. One side is like the, the stuff that, that we don't want to give away, but we're never going to look at it again. Y'all got that stuff, like you're not going to get it back down. And then on the other loft is like Christmas decorations, the things we get out once a year and put back. And so I said, it's probably not over there. Probably, I remember the last puppy we had, I probably put it in the back of the place that we're never going to need again. <laughs> and so I climb up in the loft and I'm digging back through there. And, and, and I'm like, like a worm, like crawling over stuff. Put, I'm like, why is this box in here? You see things like, this is, why did I do this? And you're digging. And so the pet taxi actually is at the main back under an empty box. And like to get it out, it's so crammed in that I would have to take everything out of the loft. And so I, I, I got back out and I couldn't find the pet crate either. I was like, I'm not taking all this stuff out. Thank goodness I moved one thing around, and the, the crate was where I get the pet taxi, on the other hand, will be there <laughs> till somebody buys the place. <laughs> but some of us, all of us, let me reframe that, go th- through seasons in life where we, we, we put God up in the loft in the outbuilding. So that all of a sudden, something comes into our life, a season or a time, we're like, oh, man, where's God? I, I need him. And you can't even think of a scripture. But 
I know what's right, like what we put right in front of our hands. And I, I'm just, as I was praying about this and thinking about it, I thought about myself, okay, this isn't about you. Maybe, it, maybe it's all your sports gear and the sports trophies. Like that's what's in the center of your life. Maybe it's the first thing you walk in the house, this is what we see. Look at this. Or maybe it's golf clubs or, 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 or your, your guns or your, your fishing poles or your, your sewing machine, whatever like the hobby is. Like you would never put that on the top loft all the way behind all the stuff. Like you know where your golf clubs are. Like you know where that is. Immediately we know where it is. Maybe it's work, maybe it's your laptop bag or your stethoscope or your tool bag or, or whatever it is. Like, you know where that is when I have to go get it. That's what I can grab. Maybe it's technology, a video game, TV. Like, me and Beth, like, we got a TV in our living room. She says, I don't want the TV to be the center of the house. I say, me neither, but I never do anything about it. <laughs> Because I kind of do. <laughs> right? And we know where our phone is. Is your phone out in your storage building up on the loft in the behind? No, you grab your phone. Like, you know exactly where it's at. And the dreaded question in our house, where's the remote? <laughs> right? Where's the remote? And my answer is always probably in the couch. The question that God has on my heart this morning that I've been wrestling with is where is God? in your life where is he is he priority is he number one is he at your fingertips or is he just the thing you know you've got if i ever need it i'll pr try to find it i'll try to rekindle i'll try to get back there or maybe you've never made god a part of your life today's a day that we collectively are going to look at what Samuel says here. They're in this season of darkness. They've, they've set God in the wrong place. They've moved him out, and they've been lamenting and mourning, and they're sorrowful. And Samuel says, well, if you're truly sorry, if you're truly sorry, do something about it. Like, if you're truly sorry, act like it is what he says. And so let's see what Samuel says in this situation. He says, then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, let me ask you, this is for every person here, every believer, you don't have to say it out loud, do you want to return to the Lord with all your heart? Then get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Asherah, turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone, then he will rescue you from the Philistines. Two words here popped out for me. Return and rid. Return and rid. Kind of sounds like, uh, and here's what it is, it's repentance. Repentance is a thing that it's not just a feeling. It's not just I feel guilty, I feel shame, I feel sorry. Man, I really messed up. I wish I wouldn't have. It, it, it's actually followed up with some type of action. It's repenting. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, but it's committing and working and putting things in place, and I'm not going to be that and do that anymore. It's also turning away from your sins and turning to God. 
You see, sometimes the things and the difficult things that haunt you, that come after you, your struggles that you have, you, you'll try to face them face to face and fight them. And really what God is saying, just turn toward me. Just look at me. Go deeper in relationship with me and I'll help you free. I will free you from those things. If your focus and your heart and your attention is on me. So maybe you're saying, well, I've been saved a long time. Do I really need to repent? Here's a, here's a quote related to that. It says, when we sin, we lose our consciousness of forgiveness and our sense of peace with God. So when we confess our sins by the work of the Spirit, we are reawakened to what Christ has done for us. And God revives our security in Him and assurance of our salvation. Believers then continue to pray daily for forgiveness. Not with the despair of one who thinks he is lost, but in the confidence of justified and adopted children approaching a heavenly father who's declared them just in Jesus Christ. You see, sin always brings consequences. It brings misery, brings darkness on you, but not just you. It brings misery to your family, to your children, to your friends, to the community. All kinds of people get impacted. Your decisions do not just impact you. Where I want to settle right here and then we'll move on is, is, is just to say um, that as, as a Christian, your sin will not affect you eternally. But it always has consequences. And so if you're feeling that season of darkness and it's like, where is God? Maybe there's a time to take an inventory of our life. This is not my typical Sunday morning sermon. But maybe it's time to take inventory of our life and say, man, what are the things that, that are in my life that are active, that I know are sin, but I just keep doing and, and, and I'm just like okay with it. And I've been blinded to the consequences of it and the impact it's having on, on my children or, or my family or my friends or even the, the reputation of Jesus Christ himself as I'm a believer and people see this in my life. Or what are the things in my life that I don't even realize are sin? I'm just kind of living it out and, and I don't even know and I don't even see. And so, and so some of these things, um, maybe, maybe it's addiction, maybe, it's, maybe it's, it's drugs, it's alcohol, maybe it's too many beers on the weekend and it's got control of your day and you don't even, you don't even realize the impact it's having on you and your children and your family. Uh, maybe it's just the, the, the filth of our culture that's all of a sudden creeped in through the movies and the songs you listen, the, 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 the dirty jokes, the water cooler conversation. Like it, it's all kind of, it's all just kind of, eh. But at the end of the day, you're like, man, all I could think about when I got home was that dirty joke. And I'm not thinking about this. And we just kind of let it creep in and then we begin to partake and separate ourselves. Or maybe it's maybe it's an inappropriate relationship. Maybe maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's just a friendship that you're looking at and thinking maybe. And the devil's tempting you and walking you into it, and you don't even see it yet. Or, or maybe it's in the way that you're treating your spouse and your own marriage, and the way you've made it all about yourself for the last little bit, and, and not being. So submissive to one another and surrendering and put them first. Maybe it's in a relationship that's boyfriend, girlfriend, you've gone too far, and it's in, like, 
It could be any number of these things that are very clear. It could be greed. You've taken money and you've you messed it. Like you're just trying to, it's all about money in your life all of a sudden. Maybe it's deception you're putting on the face of righteousness and just stirring up garbage behind the scenes. Maybe it's just bitterness. Maybe you're bitter about a job, a, a person, a relationship, a, a bitterness and jealousy. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe God's been promising you something. You're doubting him, and so you're not stepping out in faith, and you're not trusting him. Maybe it's just consistent fear in your life. Here's what I want to say. There's no, anybody in here that says, that ain't me, 1 John 1.8 says, anybody who says, I'm not, I don't have sin in my life, is deceived. So if that's the place you start, if you're thinking, I got it all together, man, who's he talking about? I'm looking around. Like, yep, that's that one, that's that one, that's that one. No, I, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Gives us clear direction. Return and rid. Turn to Jesus. Put his, put your trust in him. Lean on him. Trust him to do the work inside of you to change your heart and your life that only he can do. He gives them direction. He talks about it here. When he tells them this, they do it. So the Israelites got rid of the images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. Chapter 7, verse 5 says, Then Samuel told them, Gather all of Israel to Mitzvah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mitzvah, and in a great ceremony, they drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. One commentary said this, In this context, the ceremonial pouring of water demonstrated the soul poured out before the Lord. It was an expression of emptiness and need. Another translation said it like this, They poured out their hearts like water in penance before the Lord. Lamentations 2.19 says, Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches, Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. I'm, th this morning is an invitation from God to just pour it all out. It's not for just one or the other. It is for each and every one of us. My heart is over the next four weeks, we all return and remove. We return and we rid like we've never done before and we seek his face and we seek to be more like him and grow closer to him and make sure that he is at the center of our lives. See, he calls them to mitzvah, which turns out uh, to be higher ground. Mitzvah means watchtower. And so they're up at this place that Samuel's led them to, this town, and he's praying for them. And while they're there, it says the Philistine rulers, that's the enemy of Israel, okay, heard that Israel gathered at mitzvah. They mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. And they looked at Samuel and they said, Don't stop pleading with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. I want you to see that when, when, you, when you return and you read and you go all in with Christ, the enemy will see he will attack. 
And I want you to see what Samuel did. Well, what do I do when I've gone on and gotten? I thought things were going to get perfect, and now it's difficult. It's hard. He'll do exactly what Samuel did. He worshiped. He wasn't, he wasn't scared. He wasn't trying to find peace in his circumstances like we try to do. Like we're waiting, man, next week we get through this week. Me and Chris do this every week working here. We get through this week, this event, this thing. Next week it's going to be just so easy, and we won't have nothing to do. You're going through weeks, we get this bill paid, we get that paid off, we get this health issue taken care of, we get this relationship, and it's another one, right? But he found peace in his position, not peace in his circumstances. He found peace in his position as being a prophet of God, as being in God's family. We can find peace in our position of being a child of God, all that chaos around us, and we can find peace. Because we know he's in control. So they're there, and, and he's worshiping. And, and I can imagine, at first they said, pray and please that God will save us. And so Samuel's doing that. But I think as they got closer, I can imagine, uh, as he was sacrificing the burnt offers, offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. I think at that point, there's probably some people being like, Samuel, put the lamb down and grab a sword. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, we, we begged, and now it's time to go. And, but it says that Samuel, was, while he was burning this sacrifice and worshiping God, it says the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder. When you were a child or you have children, maybe they get scared at thunder. Most adults, most of us aren't going to get scared when we hear thunder. This was not a spring shower. I can't imagine the power and the weight of this thunder because it threw an entire army into confusion. It was a, it was a, a, a thunder that only God could do. And so in the midst of this worship, in the midst of the fight, we find that, that, that God, the Lord himself, sits the thunder and it confuses the Philistine army and the Israelites defeat them. In that moment, Samuel acknowledged what God had done. He stood there on the battlefield, and he thought, in this moment, without God, we're gone. I want us in that moment today Without God, we have no hope. Without God, it's certain death. But in his grace and his mercy, he's given us all the opportunity to move from death to life. And not just life, abundant life in him. The stone wasn't just for that moment. He didn't raise it up so they could all stand around and look at it. I think he raised it up so in six months, a year from now, when, when the darkness came in again, when, when, when the struggle came again, when they were surrounded again by another enemy and another army, or maybe the next time they come through that town and they see it and they're like, oh, I was, I'm scared, but why would I be scared? I remember in Mitzvah 
when we had no chance, when we had no hope, and we, we turned to the Lord, and we gave it all to him, and we worshiped him, and he rolled thunder like you can never imagine, and he took care of everything. He defeated all of our enemies. Over the coming weeks, what I hope we all do is take some timeline, some record of our life, and take a, a, a season of reflection to think about the things, because it's important because just like they were at battle, we are at war. Because Ephesians says that, that, that we are fighting a spiritual war. And every day we get up and just think, oh, I'm going to work today, I'm going to school, I've got to do my list, whatever. The enemy is at war. He's thinking, I'm at war. And you're thinking, I'm just trying to go to work. And so this reminder, this is important because when we get attacked, if we've forgotten all the victories God has given us, we will not be able to confidently go on the offense. We will always be on defense. You see, the, the spiritual armor, God's, the armor of God is not made for the battle line or the sidelines. It is made for the battlefield. It is made for offense, to be going forward loving and shining light in our communities, in our families, and pushing back darkness. We're surrounded by darkness, and the enemy will get us to stick God in the attic. We won't even realize it. He'll, he'll, he'll get us to, to be okay and complacent with sin in our life. He'll blind us to sin in our life. He'll get us worshiping money and sports and and relationships and phones and image and what do I look like and all this all this stuff like you won't even know it and you've totally like where'd God go but up to this point he's helped you and so I want to take just a minute uh, we got this stone down here and, and this is going to be a spiritual marker this is this is the foundation of all the hope and all the victory we have in our life. And in that, I would say, is the cross, where Jesus died for us, took all the punishment that we deserved, where, where, where he said, I was righteous, but in your place, I take the wrath of God. You deserve it. I'm going to do it for you. And then, and then we have the empty tomb, where he says, you can't defeat death. I've already defeated it for you. And so in this, we have this reminder, the foundation of everything we're going to do over the next four weeks. All these reminders, we don't want to start idolizing the things. We want to use the things to point us back to Jesus. Point us back to the truth and the power and the time and the season. He gave victory in our life. And so then, then we start to build and we say, I remember when I prayed for my spouse. I'm going to go back to that moment or my brother or my daughter or my son or my parent. When I thought, man, they'll never give their life to Christ, but I'm going to pray anyway. And that heartbreak that you felt, I'm going to go back there and just remember, they, God saved that person. They're now leading a the ministry. They're doing something you never thought they'd do. We're going to settle on God is faithful and saves. Maybe we're doing something uh, as simple as I, I, my whole life I've lived a career in medicine and there was a time I didn't know if I'd even get into medical school. And I remember that victory, how God worked through circumstances and allowed me into that space to do what I did. And maybe you're just now in medical school, but you got in. Maybe 
we're going to talk about the season of depression. You thought that uh, you'd never come out of, I'll never get out of the bed again. And here I am. Maybe it was this morning. And here you are. Maybe it was the, the season of depression or sickness or the tragedy of a loved one you lost. Maybe it was the, the one that didn't survive the addiction. And yet in the tragedy over the, the weeks and months and years, you've seen how, good, how God lived into Romans 8. And you saw that God can work all things together. The thing you thought was just terrible, and now you see, oh, I see how God used that in my life to draw me to him. I got all kinds. You got more than I do. Some of them you forgot. And so now you're afraid. Think of the time I walked into to Pikeville College, scared out of my mind, and turned around and walked out. Drove back to Sayersville. Said, I'm done. I'm not doing that. My dad convinced me to go back. I met a person I knew. Ended up moving in. In that place, I met my wife. In that place, God chased me down. In that place, what happened here, what is happening here, started with 20 people in the band room, our first service. In the same room I met my wife, like, I look out my window right up here in my office and look at that place and remember the scared little kid. I said, I had nothing to do with this. I remember our, our son, was three years old, thought we'd never have another child. Our daughter, she was seven or eight at the time, she prayed every night for a sibling. We thought it was so sweet, and we'd let her down gently. <laughs> never going to have another child, never going to have, probably not going to have a sibling. We'd had miscarriages. She was the one that was faithful and would buy clothes with what money she had, fold them, put them in the guest room drawer. And so I, I remember, that, that's why a couple, few weeks ago when we left the live stream on and Harker played the drums up here for about 15 minutes, <laughs> I just kind of look over it. He shouldn't be here. You got that thing in your life that shouldn't be that you know God helped you. He gave you the victory. And so when you put these things in front of you, when you can see it, here's the thing. It, it, it pushes back the fear in your life. It enables you to, in this moment, in the present, in this day, I'm walking forward in faith. I can see the victories of the past, so I'm stepping into the present with complete confidence that God has got this. He's going to have it. I'm just going to be faithful. But when, when they realized it, when they realized God was with them, it said they went to war. They went to fight like they'd never fought before because they fought with confidence. And that's my heart. 
for you, for me, for new beginnings. Old song, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by the great help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. God, we bow our heads and hearts in this moment. And your son Jesus, as we get ready to partake in communion here, gave us one clear, very strong directive to remember. And that is the the. the of, of, of communion, of, of taking the wine and the bread, of remembering your body, remembering your blood, remembering your victory over death. God, I pray draw back into our memory the seasons of life we've been through that we take for granted and, and we've forgotten the hopeless situation we were in. And either you directly helped us through your church and Christians and people and just out of your common grace, you put things in our life that drew us back in and gave us hope. God, today we rest on that. Lord, I want to speak on behalf of myself. I, I return to you. God, search my life. Find the brokenness. Find the ways and my faults. Bring them to my attention. Give me the heart and surround me with people to draw me into righteousness to be more like you. And this day, we raise our Ebenezer. In Jesus' name, amen.